0: Hello! Welcome to another episode of Donversations. Before it starts, I just want to say thank you so much to everyone for listening to my podcast. If you're new, welcome. I hope you love it. I hope you listen to the rest of the episodes and enjoy them too. And if you are a returning listener, thank you so very, very much. I appreciate all of you for listening. If you want to reach out to me, uh, you can send me an email conversations at gmail.com or anywhere on social media. I'm I'm everywhere. I would appreciate any input you have. I'll be trying to do more contests soon too, but uh, spread the word. Tell your friends to listen. I would love to have more people on board, uh, more subscribers or followers or whatever the heck they call them. Okay. Here comes the next episode. Thanks guys. Bye. Hello, everyone! Happy New Year, and welcome to another episode of Conversations. Today's guest is so inspirational. His name's Tim Kaufman, and he and his wife Heather have been on a journey, to say the least. And you're gonna hear all about it. He has lost over 200 pounds. They both have had lifestyles that could have potentially put them in the grave. But after some realizations, they decided to go plant based exercise. So inspirational, you guys, I cannot wait for you to hear it. So um, I hope you enjoy the episode. And if you want to follow them, I'll have all the information in the show notes below. Okay, guys, here we go. Welcome to another episode of Donversations. Today we have Tim Kaufman. Tim, did you come up with the name, the nickname of the Fat Man Rants? Was that your idea?
1: <laughs> kind of.
0: Um, <laughs> I wasn't yeah. gonna call you that. I I just who who came up with that?
1: Well, so I <laughs> when I first adopted my new diet, I was like food police. Like I couldn't believe how I felt. And so I was just ranting all the time about food <laughs> and my brother-in-law got aggravated. He goes, I don't want to hear about how you eat anymore. Why don't you go start a blog or something? So no clue what I'm doing. I um, watched a couple of YouTube videos on how to set up a blog. I went to search up a domain ma- name and it's like, well, I want like fat guy or something, <laughs> a former fat guy or former fat man. And so fatmanrance.com was an available domain. I picked that with like three other ones. And I had a colleague. I'm like, here, pick one of these post-its. That's my new do- domain names. So, oh my
0: God, that's awesome. Yeah. So were you at your thinnest when you started your blog? Or did, were you-
1: Absolutely like- not, no, no. No, okay.
0: How long has this journey been for you?
1: Well, I mean, to- let's say January 1st um, I'm coming up on 10 years is the last time I ate any animal products. So um, yeah.
0: Well, I was going to save this for the end, but I, while we're talking about it, so do you have like a plan for Thanksgiving? Does your family all conform? Do you have everybody over and they all just eat plant-based or do you have turkey and just not eat it? Or how do you do the holiday?
1: Yeah. So that was kind of like a progression thing, but to give you an idea, we have we have pre order. We have a small cafe that we do meal prep out of, um, and we have a hundred Thanksgiving dinners that will go out Thursday. Um, and they're basically Thanksgiving is so stinking easy because everything you eat on your Thanksgiving plate is pretty much plant based except the turkey, right? Yes,
0: a hundred percent. Yeah, oh, you
1: get the potatoes, the sweet potatoes, the green beans, the you know the squash, like. It's, it's all there. And then we just put some tofu down, you know?
0: <laughs> okay. So that was my other question. Do you buy any of the, I don't want to insult anyone call it fake meat, but you know what I mean? Like oh, the it's
1: definitely fake it's processed crap. Um,
0: yeah. Okay. So you don't, you do tofu, but you don't do um like the soy curls and all that stuff.
1: No, we do soy curls because soy, so soy curls, um, are actually the soy bean and pod And okay. again, we talk so Butler we kind of know the people that own that company because we serve a lot of them in our restaurant. Um, but yeah, it's the whole bean. So I eat whole foods um, as whole as I possibly can. And that I consider because that's just a bean. They basically kind of slow simmer them. they run them through this little machine that pushes the whole bean through. And then they dehydrate them. So I didn't know that. Yeah, it's actually more whole than like a soybean itself.
0: I had no idea. I ordered them and I used them um, once. I didn't use all of them, but I used them once. And, you know, I think there's probably a little um, learning curve for how to cook them or or prepare them so that they taste like food. (laughs) yeah <laughs> i made them they didn't it was the texture it was just off and i thought i'm not doing this right i didn't blame the soy curl i blame myself <laughs> but i figured it was something user that i was doing wrong
1: yeah i feel like all that stuff whether it's tofu soy curls tempeh um it's gonna take on whatever flavor you put it with yeah. so uh the soy curls we do like a barbecue we have an in-house barbecue sauce we do a buffalo sauce. Uh, we do a fajita sauce. And, like, a, we almost make them, like, general uh, sao chicken, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, But they're good. Yeah.
0: I'm going to be hungry after this.
1: <laughs> never. Oh. I've never had, like, an, an Impossible Burger. Um, I've never had, like, vegan cheese. Mostly, to be honest, I didn't know that stuff existed. Oh. Um, I only had, and I think that was part of my success, actually. I only had a very limited amount of food choices to go from because it was all I knew. I knew that I could eat rice. I knew that I could eat beans and potatoes, veggies, fruits, uh, lentils, kind of whole grain kind of things. But that was pretty much it. So that's how I lost the majority of the 200 pounds. Um, I didn't really learn about all these other fake meats and options until later on you know and it's a struggle because that stuff that stuff um the highly processed stuff um that'll put weight back on you just as fast as it came off
0: yeah and that's so it's so crazy because you can see the dual purpose of it like if that gets somebody away from eating meat and maybe closer to eating plant-based, that's great, you know, but if it's also not good for them, then it's not. So I don't know. It depends on what side of the fence you're on with that. But, um, so let's go back. Were you a heavy child?
1: Yes, but I'll just add one more thing to that. If you don't mind, you know, the the thing too, is it depends on, you know, why you're changing your food choices. There's uh, many people are changing their food choices of just, because of the animals, and if that's the case, I actually talked to the guy, um, the CEO of Impossible Burgers and Impossible Meats or whatever. But he said that they never went at this with health in mind, it was about the environment, um, and the animals. And if that's the case, and people aren't coming at this from a health perspective, you know, have at it for me, it was about health, and as my journey progressed, it became then. About the environment, the animals, and the economy, but yeah. Okay. So, um, so was I a heavy kid? So I was a big kid. I grew up on a farm. I was a big, strong kid. Um, but yeah. I don't think I was like a, above average until probably I uh, got out of high school. And honestly, got married. I got married really young. I had just turned twenty. So.
0: To your current wife.
1: That yeah, absolutely. Uh- so.
0: Congratulations. That's yeah, a long time.
1: It's going to be 30 years in August here. And we started dating at 14. So it's oh been, a, my been God. a bit.
0: You guys are super cute. I was looking at pictures before. Because, you know, I i I saw that she also went on this journey. But she didn't go on it when you started it, correct?
1: No, she was about uh, two years after me. Um, you know, it's it's weird. Because looking back, it's like, I we didn't... I don't know. It's it's just so weird looking back because she had no real interest to go plant-based. That was kind of a me thing. I think she didn't realize it would stick. And yeah. uh, she had some medical issues. Um, she had a fibroid the size of a grapefruit. Mm. She went into the hospital to get surgery. She actually had to get a complete hysterectomy. And being in the hospital and that whole environment she was in, It brought her back to when her mom, her mom lost a terrible battle with cancer and it just brought back all those memories. And I came to a room and she was just sobbing and she's like, I can't control everything that happens in life, but I can control what I eat. And just like that, she flipped a switch um, and went whole food, plant-based. But she's turned into a pretty competitive rush. She's a beast runner. She really is.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Well, okay. So for anybody that's just listening and they're like, who is this guy? Okay. (laughs) So you, you, um, lost a a massive amount of weight, switched to plant-based. You had been a former opioid addict, correct? Yeah. Right. And, and a drinker. So I know myself personally, it is easy for me to start a healthy eating and exercise program how did you get yourself to stick with it and not fall back on your bad patterns
1: well because i was gonna die i mean and not looking back it doesn't have to be like that you know yeah i feel like a lot of people change because of a catastrophic event or they go to the doctor and they're like you know 90 percent clogged on an artery so um but for me Um, I was in really bad shape. I was over, I I was uh, born with this disease called Ehlers-Danlos. It's like a connective tissue thing. So um, after going through a couple surgeries and getting this diagnosis that I was going to be in a wheelchair at like 25, I was like, these are the cards I was dealt. So this is just how life is going to be. And then I started getting into the painkillers and that. You know, the, it went from like tabs to Percocet to Oxy and then eventually fentanyl. And then when that wasn't enough, I started drinking really heavily. So at my worst, I would um, drink a liter of vodka right before I went to bed with about 20 opioids along with the fentanyl. And by rights, I should have been dead.
0: Oh my gosh. Um, And
1: I did that every single night. Like that was just my routine. Just like you'd brush your teeth before you go to bed. That's what I did before I went to bed.
0: Wow. Do you think you were trying to kill yourself?
1: Well, you know, I, I think about that a lot and I, you know, I have two awesome kids. Well, they're almost 30 now, so they're a little older, but um, a wife that would do anything for me. So I don't, like, I don't think I was suicidal, but I was so tired and so hopeless that I think I went to bed knowing that I might not wake up and I don't really know that I cared one way or another.
0: Oh my God. That's so sad. Yeah, it was. What What amazes you now when you wake up? What What is the thing that comes to mind when you wake up? What amazes you?
1: So it's so weird that you're asking this because I'm getting ready to do like a mini TED talk and uh, just like a local one. and That's literally like my before and after is going to bed, not caring if I wake up in the morning to today. I have trouble sleeping because I can't wait to get out of bed to see what the day holds. That's Um, awesome. It's like such the complete opposite of where I used to be.
0: That gives me goosebumps. So you guys have a restaurant. Did you make the restaurant plant-based?
1: Yeah. Well, um, pre-COVID, we were basically, we set up a building. We leased a building out so we could teach people for free. They would just come take classes on Instapod, Air Fryer, uh, that type of thing. And we packed the place out. Every class was, quote, unquote, uh, sold out. And then COVID hit, so the health department shut us down. We couldn't have gatherings anymore, so we kind of turned it into a little storefront. Um, and at the same time, there were people that had lost their jobs, especially in the restaurant industry, because all the restaurants got shut down. Right. So we put a post out on Facebook, and we're like, "Hey, if you're hungry, you know, we we have food here." So I brought some InstaPots and um, started cooking like little meals up. And it was just simple, like beans and rice and veggies. And I'm like, come down. We have these things called good neighbor meals. But the only catch is you can take three meals, but you have to take one with you to give to someone else. And people loved them. And so, you know, we we were doing it for free. But as things progress, they're like, well, we want to buy meals. And I'm like, all right, well, long story short, um, now we have that kind of turned into a meal prep company. and. Heather and myself, I think the first year we had uh, over 20,000 meals went out the door just with me and her. And I have a job and she had a pretty big commercial cleaning company at the time.
0: Oh, my God. We
1: were dying. Uh, We we do have (laughs) staff now, but we've put out uh, we've been open three years next month and we've put out over 50,000 meals out of that little place. So.
0: That's amazing. Do you, is it just local or do you guys ship them frozen places?
1: Yeah, it's just local. We try to get into shipping. It's just so hard. And our food is like, it's all whole food. So it doesn't have a real long shelf life. Um, and then no refined sugars. And we use very minimal salt. Okay. Okay.
0: So what were what was the plan you were, I know you said you didn't know about all these extra fluffy things. What were, what was the, the plan that you were following when you decided to get serious? Did you go to the Starch solution? and was that your first one?
1: Oh, uh, no. So I, <laughs> I turned on Netflix and I saw the title of this film fat, sick and nearly dead. And I had no clue what it was um, mm-hmm. to put it in perspective. I, have the first deer i ever shot tattooed on me um we raised all our own meat um very rare did we buy anything from the store that was like in the meat department i drank raw milk because i grew up on a dairy farm and so when i saw the title of this fat and nearly dead it never occurred to me what exactly Joe cross was doing but basically he consumes nothing but fruit and vegetable juice out of his juicer he's from australia Comes to the U.S., spends two months here, and he goes on this juice fast. And by the end of the film, he had lost, like, 50 pounds. He got rid of, like, all his prescriptions, cured himself of a bunch of, like, autoimmune stuff. And along the way, he meets all these inspiring people. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to do that. Never thinking that, like, I don't really do vegetables, you know? <laughs> And I, it's weird because if he would have been putting raccoon turds in there and juicing them, I would have done that because I just wanted what he had. Yeah. Um, I had just been denied for bariatric surgery. So I was in a bad place. Um, I was going to die. There's no doubt. I had reached a point I couldn't put my socks and shoes on myself. Uh, my kidneys were shutting down.
0: At my, what age?
1: That would have been about 38. Yeah, I got denied oh. for the surgery. So my heart would beat so hard, I would put the remote on my chest while I was laying down, and it would actually get air. It would jump every beat of my heart.
0: Oh, my God. Do you think, looking back, that not... Um, being accepted for that surgery was a blessing in disguise oh
1: 100 it's the best thing that never happened isn't that
0: amazing yeah. isn't that just where you your heart is so set on something and then it doesn't happen and you think your world is crashing and then later you look back and you're like thank god that didn't yeah, happen yeah
1: 100 100 oh
0: that's awesome so you you did the juice fasting then
1: yeah so january 1st coming up will be 10 years i went on this juice fast i learned how to buy vegetables. I learned that they actually exist. And <laughs> um, I i mean, it was nuts. Like the first three days were terrible. It was hell. I wanted to just sleep. But day four, I wasn't as hungry as I had been. And then by day five, um, the coolest thing ever happened to me. I woke up in the same exact position that I had fell asleep in the night before. And that was really... Um, the drinking and all that stuff, I was just trying to pass out. I just couldn't. I was in so much pain all the time that I just couldn't sleep. And a lot of people think that when you take narcotics, you know, they're a downer. So you get really like super like lethargic and stuff. Mm-hmm. But even though you're like on borderline, like unconscious, you can't sleep. It's the wildest thing. Like you have insomnia, but you're so tired. You can't even oh, function.
0: That sounds miserable.
1: And at like day five and six, it's pure hell. Um, but I had, I got my first night's sleep, you know, on day five. And then, you know, throughout the juice fast, I would wake up and, you know, my eyes weren't cloudy and my skin started clearing off and um, just things kept getting better. It was like so fast too. But with all these things happening, the weight dropping off, I felt more energy. I was actually waking up before my alarm went off. I also knew that I could not you know live the rest of my life on juice but because yeah. i watched that the film forks over knives popped up mm-hmm. and once i watched forks over knives it was like what why doesn't anyone know about this stuff yeah
0: yeah well it sounds like it was kind of divine intervention for you too 100%. like all are just falling into your your p- p- plate and you're like oh i guess i should watch this too
1: yeah, and we had just buried my dad, my best friend in the whole world. Um, he, his diagnosis was he had they found cancer in his lungs, and he was given six months, and he made it six weeks to the day of his diagnosis. And shortly after that, Heather's mom um, had leukemia that turned to lymphoma, and then ultimately a brain tumor would take her life. So we just buried our two most precious people on the planet.
0: Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry, that's awful. It's l- awful to lose a parent, let alone to have to see them suffer like that.
1: Yeah, and both uh, both suffered um, um, pretty bad. But now I watch Forks over Knives and they're talking about cancer and you know different cultures and the blue zones and why. Um, the only time I got, you know, advice about food, Is after I went plant based, you know, no one said when I was over four hundred pounds, hey, maybe you shouldn't eat three double whoppers for dinner.
0: Right, right, yeah. You know, as soon as I eat
1: broccoli, like, yeah, I don't know if that's good for you. You know,
0: (laughs) what are you doing? (laughs) What's what has surprised you the most that you really, really like that you didn't think you would ever like? Um, that's
1: kind of a loaded question. I think I, I think I see food differently now um you know I see kind of food I'm kind of selfish what I eat um I eat a lot because of the benefits I get from it so mm-hmm. with this disease is, is a lot of inflammation in my joints and that's that's why I was almost in a wheelchair um but now when I eat the different colored vegetables and I just right before I came on here um I just ate about two pounds of broccoli and <laughs> There was nothing on it. You know, it was just, I mean, it was cooked. It was steamed, lightly steamed, but I just, I enjoy it. Your taste changed. So what used to like be really hard for me to eat is like, it's just normal food now. And what's wild is this kind of goes back to your question that you asked a long time ago that I never got you. Your palate changes so fast. Like if you went and took a McDonald's cheeseburger to someone that's on an island that doesn't have any fast food, that would taste like garbage to them. Right. Um, With all the salt and the oil and the sugar in the bun. Like it it wouldn't taste like food at all. And the truth is when you start eating healthfully, the worst thing you can do is have cheat days. I love that people have cheat days um, because all that does is reset that whole trap for you because it it reignites your palate again. You know, all your levels pop up again. The dopamine goes flying up. And it's no different than like you would never like stop drinking and then say, "Well, you know, I'm an alcoholic, but I can go have two or three drinks at a bar." Cuz it's right. going to start the whole cycle. And I think it's kind of the same way with food, you know.
0: Is the exercise part hard for you?
1: So everyone sees me kind of like, that's kind of what I'm known for. My story kind of blew up on Good Morning America, the Today Show and all that. And people kind of, that's how they see me is like, I hate even saying the word athlete, but because I've done, you know, Ironman, ultra marathons, marathons, Mm -hmm. and I'm supposed to have this disease where I can't walk. But the truth is, the first two years of my journey, I lost most of my weight I didn't exercise at all. I went for a walk. Walking was super good for me. Um, I started hiking a little bit and I didn't really get into the running till I lost most of my weight. Um, I wouldn't even call what I did running, to be honest. And so now um, what can happen is all this massive exercise can really camouflage food addiction because that's happened to me, right? When I'm training for Ironman, there's some workouts I'm burning like 2000 calories in a, you know, a five hour bike session. Yeah. And man, you can get away with eating a lot of extra cashews and cashew cream sauces and all that
0: stuff, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing though. Kudos to you to be able to do any of those things. a half marathon, a marathon. I mean, Ironman, that's no joke.
1: yeah especially in lake placid
0: (laughs) oh my god yeah lots
1: of hills to climb there do you
0: have a bucket list of anything else that you really want to do or do you feel like you've peaked
1: well i have one thing left on my list um i was through i never really talked about this before but um it's kind of weird how journeys go like we have these expectations um and sometimes you know we do this comparison game which i know you know everyone knows comparisons a thief and but sometimes a comparison game is who we were even last year. Um, yes. We have this idea of this forward progress, right? So we're angry about where we think we should be. And then if we ever get to where we think we should be and we slip, then we're <laughs> thinking that we should be where we used to be. Right. Um, and so what happened to me, you know, I had this awesome progression. Everyone's watching. I'm in the spotlight and i still have eds so i woke up one morning i stretched my arms up in there over my head and my legs just totally shut off i fell right on the ground oh, and i couldn't no. feel my legs it was it was terrifying to be honest oh
0: my god
1: um it was it, we didn't know if i had a stroke we didn't know what happened so super long story super short i go to um Spine, sir. Well, I ended up through all these diagnostics and stuff. Um, but what had happened is my spine, because of the EDS, my vertebra shifted so much that it was it had my spine like pinched almost right off. So I went from like running a race to the next week, we had to get rid of all the like rugs in the house because I couldn't lift my toe up over like the doormat, it was nuts.
0: Oh my god and you're like what is happening
1: Yeah so I had to get a surgery um pretty extensive one and now don't forget I you know in recovery with opioids I made myself a promise that I would never once take an opioid again. Like I would rather die. Like I meant that too. Yeah. So now never even thinking about this, they're getting me into surgery. They're basically cutting. They have about a one foot incision with 30 sub staples. They got to go through muscle. Kind of. It was really, it was a bad surgery. Wow. They remove uh, four of my bones in my back. So my spine can be on the outside. So during all this, they're wheeling me in for the surgeon. And I thought, oh no, what about that promise that I made myself? Like of so now- <laughs> all the things. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was like I was I was more afraid of that, like going back on my promise than I was. Like, I don't care if I never walk again. Like I made a promise. I have been burned so bad with withdrawals and the lies that I would tell myself. Um, and I just that was one thing that I was not gonna you know back down on like I made myself that promise so here we are everyone's ready to go there's a team of about 12 people doing the surgery and I said um I got a little problem I forgot to tell you guys that I will not have any opioids before during or after the surgery and it's like everyone's jaw dropped yeah so the anesthesia team they talked to me they said look at like you're not going to relapse from this and I'm like no I'm not worried about relapsing I made myself a promise. And so by the time I was done telling why I promised myself that everyone was bawling, they said, okay, let's go have a meeting. They put the surgery off for about 20 minutes and they came up with a plan. And I did, I'm going to start crying. I was able to do that whole surgery and it was extensive. I had drains in me. I mean, it was bad surgery. Um, and I did the whole thing with no opioids before, during, or after. So,
0: oh my god, that's amazing.
1: Then I also had at the same time, I had a failed ankle surgery because they tried to fix that. My bones were crumbling. Um, I went to the doctor thinking they could, like, you know, spruce it up a bit. And he says, You have two <laughs> options either amputation, um, or we have to fuse you. And I said, Yeah, but what about my? Because I still had that dream of crossing that Ironman Lake Placid finish line. was well, still on my bucket list. And he goes, yeah, he goes right now, instead of worrying about running, you need to worry about getting to your mailbox. So they oh, took about wow. four inches of my fibula. They cut my tibula, they cut my talus and tibia rather. And then they bolted all that together. So over the past two years, I've had some pretty crazy surgeries Um, I've been able to maintain that no opioid thing before, during, or after, but here's the cool thing. Um, I really got into a bad place because, you know, I, I go from all this massive activity to I'm laying on my back for three months recovering from my spine. Then they told me, uh, this last one, I got a surgery in uh, last year it was in June and they said, we're going to teach you how to walk in October um and by oh my I, yeah it was a long it was nuts like it was crazy but I had already I actually skipped a cast because I healed so well and I totally blamed the food for that
0: mm-hmm. um
1: and I was back doing 5k's when they were supposed to teach me how to walk again so oh
0: my gosh that's amazing
1: yeah but it's I mean that's a very long way to say sometimes um we get so caught up in where we think we should be and it's hard now. Um, I DNF'd Ironman. So I went in in 13 months from a major fusion like that, almost losing the limb, to I competed in Ironman, knowing that I might not make the cutoffs. Um, and I missed the bike cutoff by 15 minutes. But um, a week later, I did a marathon just to make sure I could do a marathon. So uh, this year, I hopefully will have a, I start training in a few weeks here. And We'll take one more run in it and then I'm done.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a lot for people. I've had a couple of guests on that have been an, an Ironman thing and that sounds so intense.
1: But I learned so much. Um, I think it's probably been the most important two years of my journey because um, I learned I had so much wrong. You know, I had so much wrong. I, I got confused with what, you know, what's the destination and what's the vehicle Um, For me, I thought that whole food plant-based is the destination, but it's just a tool in the Mm -hmm. process. And I thought goals were the destination, but the truth is the magic is in the habits that you build while you're trying to reach those goals. Because the problem with goals is where do you stop? You know, my first goal was a 5K. And for me, that was a big deal, man. That was a huge deal. When I started running, I was in immobilizers. My knees were locked out. And then I had to get like braces custom made so I could bend my knees again. it's like a 5K was like, if that's the only thing I did, that in itself is amazing. Um, It is. But I'm super driven and super goal oriented. So then a 10K, then the half, and then the full... And when I laid in that chair for all those months, I thought I had this all wrong, because the goals, um, they're good and they'll get you moving. But the habits that you build—everyone wants to change a lifestyle, right? But what mm-hmm. the heck does that even mean? <laughs> because we tell people that, like, oh, you don't need a diet; you need a lifestyle change. Well, that you know, that's just—that's nothing. That means nothing. But what people have to understand is everyone has the power to make a good choice, right? Because we make choices all day, every day. But what we got to do is just focus on that next good choice. And when we string those good choices together, those are where the habits come from. And then once we get those habits, they'll set up routines that are healthy. And then those routines, when you put them all together, that's where lifestyle comes from. And I think um, to answer your question that you first started with... (laughs) why what keeps me going when a lot of people you watch the biggest loser and they lose multiple hundred pounds they're right back where they started a year later because we're so focused on the goals that we forget that the magic is in the choices and the only choice that we really need to worry about is the one that's right in front of us
0: Mm -hmm. you know Who, who inspires you
1: Oh there's so many people that inspire me and I, I think the other thing too that that's a great question but I think that we need to be inspired by all different people from all different walks and all different areas of life because that is another thing I learned in those two years you know it's great to look up to athletes or you know we want to we want to look up to people to kind of be where they are right and when we should be hanging around people um, that are kind of like-minded and are going, you know, are at a place that we want to go. But I think sometimes we get too caught up on not um, having enough people to look up to. So, you know, I have certain athletes that I look up to. I have uh, certain authors that I look up to. And um, it's a whole mix of people. And I think everyone has something really cool to offer. And they might not be the heroes <laughs> that we think are heroes. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Isn't it kind of cool for you to sit back and think, though, that there's people that get inspired because of what you've done?
1: Yes. And it's scary, too. Um, It's definitely that that might be another part of the reason that helps from not sliding back. Right. I mean, we have five five hundred thousand followers by accident. Um, And it's scary, you know, because people, you know, we do a live every Sunday and people are watching you know, mm-hmm. so but I, mean, I think that kind of service, kind of thing, um, with a recovery, is kind of a two way street. You know, you're you're wanting to help people do what you did, but at the same time, you have to hold yourself accountable because you have the responsibility. You can't be telling people one thing and doing another, right? Right.
0: Did you do therapy?
1: I didn't, and I should have.
0: <laughs> well, that's admirable for you to admit that i was just curious because you've got some very good um things little nuggets here and there that uh keep you optimistic and make it seem like it's possible for other people so it sounds a little bit like therapy talk
1: yeah i think it's all i think a lot of that honestly (laughs) this is ironic that i'm saying this honestly most of that comes from this kind of sound uh, very woo woo but (laughs) um I think the first thing that had to happen for me is figuring out how to love myself. I had failed so many times. I was so humiliated by how I manipulated people, especially Heather. I mean, she is the love of my life and I learned how to get her to do things, go pick up scripts, go lie to doctors. I start, you know, getting into this place where I just hated looking in the mirror because I knew what I was doing. Any, the only thing that mattered to me was getting what I wanted. And if that meant lying, cheating, steal, whatever it meant to get it. And you do that for so long and you just, you, you hate yourself, you hate mm-hmm. yourself um, for what you become. And so part of like pulling myself up out of that mud is, is realizing that none of this is going to change until I figure out how to love myself. And I had to fake it sometimes, you know, I had to fake it. I did a little bit of journaling. Um, It's easy to get into that trap. And another big one was gratitude. Another thing that sounds kind of woo woo, but it's really hard to have a bad day when you're grateful. Yeah. Um, And for me, a lot of that came from when Heather's mother was in the cancer hospital You know, uh, one of the things that I say on every interview is I remember going up there. She's struggling to live one more day. And I walked up to her bed and she opens her eyes super slowly. And she said, how's your knee?
0: Oh, my god! It
1: it destroyed me because what shows you what kind of person she is. But I walked out of the hospital that night. And, yeah, my knees were destroyed. They were sore. They hurt.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: but I had knees and there was people in that hospital that had their legs amputated because of cancer. Right. And I was getting to go home and many people, there's thousands of them in there. They weren't going to come home. Like they were going to die in that hospital. So my whole life I had spent like, you know, wanting stuff or being pissed because I didn't have stuff. And I never stopped to be grateful for the stuff that I did have. And I think When you see, when you watch a loved one just struggle to hang on to life, it does two things. One, you realize how much you have to be grateful for because it can all be gone tomorrow.
0: Mm -hmm. And two,
1: it teaches you how precious life really is. We all know, like we all say, well, we're not here forever. Well, you know what? Do you really believe that? You don't really believe that until it's right in front of you.
0: Right. You see it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. so um where can people find you if they want to um be inspired and look at your fat man rants
1: (laughs) yeah so um well fatmanrants.com is our website um and then our well probably most active on facebook on our page oh then we have a another group set up uh it's not as throttled as our page and then i do a little bit on instagram i'm not I've been doing a lot more reels only because Facebook reached out and they sent me a coach. So I do reels now, which Mm -hmm. I'm more into long form video, but I'm trying to learn. So
0: Yeah, because everybody's got such a short attention span. They want like, tell me everything I need to know in 30 seconds.
1: Yeah, well, I think they got seven seconds now. And in the seven seconds, they tell you, move camera angle, zoom in, zoom out, because even seven seconds is long for some people.
0: Oh, my gosh. Well, I appreciate your time so much um, in talking with me. You really are inspirational, and so is your wife. And not just for what you're doing health-wise, but your marriage, 30 years. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, and we're young. I'm not even 50 yet, so... <laughs>
0: That's great. Yeah. yeah, you've got a long ways to go. You've completely turned it around for yourself and for your family. So you should be very proud of yourself.
1: Yeah, thank you for that. And I just want to add in before we go, um what happened to me is out there for anyone. It really is. It's, and I think uh, that's why I spend so much time and so many hours literally hundreds of hours sharing my story um because there's days that I want to just walk away, I have this beautiful life now, and I want to just close the door on the past and move on. But people need to understand that, you know, it's not magic, it's not pretty by any stretch, and it's not easy, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's it's but it's uncomplicated. You know, the the concepts are really super simple and they're out out there for anyone, anyone that really is willing to be honest with themselves and um, make choices. And that's really all there is to it. There's nothing magical about it.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that's why your story sticks out. People like to see the underdog win.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Winning. You know, it's a process too because you're never there, you know? So yeah. yeah.
0: Well, thanks so much Tim. I appreciate it and I will be in touch for sure.
1: All right, don. Thank you so much for having me. It was great you chatting bet. with you.
0: Yeah, you too. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah.